What up, gang? Titus. Not the experts in the building. Arch Manning announced that he is going to the University of Texas. This has been like a big thing about where he's going to go. Because his last name is Manning and people say he's good at football. I don't know. Whatever. But what he showed me is decision to go to the Texas Longhorns in 2022, like to choose to play there, is that he has the decision making of Eli Manning. Which is very, this is not good. It's very not good quarterback. But hey, he went through some bowls. This is very not good quarterback. So, he, so Arch Manning is already showing poor decision making that he clearly got from his uncle Eli. So we'll see what his future holds because he's already making very terrible decisions. So we're going to deal with what Texas is back for another three months. And then Arch Manning is going to play. They're going to lose a lot. They're going to lose to Kansas again. And then it'll be Texas Disney back. Um, he signed up for the Texas back marathon. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, yeah. Arch Manning. Whatever. I'm over, I'm over this Arch Manning guy. I'm over this whole hullabaloo about this kid. Like, sure, I mean, he might be fine. I'm not cheering against the kid. I'm not. I don't, I'm not that vindictive. But this media hullabaloo about this guy, because his last name is Manning, so everything he did got inflated as if he was, like, really great because his last name was Manning. Like, yeah, come on. Get out of here. Get out of here, man. All I wanted were some sunny days, but they never seemed to come to me. Tried to get him out of his dungarees, never got past having lunch with me. It's just funny how in some degree funny people seem to f***ing reek like CK's other hand that's not touching on the telephone. Keep it bouncing like... The man you just heard seething, snarling, and slandering Arch Manning through a telephone was my colleague, co-host, and more importantly... Friend, Titus Majors. Hello, folks. I'm Levi Evans, and I am the other co-host of Not the Experts. I'm going to get uh, to Titus's slandering uh, of Arch Manning in a second. First, I want to say thank you to everyone who is listening right now. We got a great episode. I'm going to talk about a few different things, including an interview with um, one of LaGrange College Baseball's best. In history, USA South All Conference player, also NCAA Division Three first team All American, McKinley Irves. He's going to talk about his experience at Lagrange College, in particular this year, then making it to the College World Series through some turmoil along the way. Also, his plans going forward, so you guys will not want to miss that. Also, we're going to discuss. Kyrie Irving and John Wall's latest moves. That will be after the interview. And Titus has some more slandering to do. Not in Arch Manning's way, but someone in the NBA. Someone who's been in his crosshairs for a while now and is in association with someone who's been in his crosshairs for even longer. So we'll get to that in a second. But first, let me address Arch Manning committing to Texas I wasn't surprised. Apparently, the entitled fans of the Georgia Bulldogs were, of course, they were surprised. You know, why Why wouldn't Arch Manning want to come to Georgia? Can't he see we're, we're the best program ever? I mean, we, we won last year. We've got a title now. First hot take. Let me deliver it. Arch Manning would have gone to Georgia if Georgia didn't win the national championship this past year. Because while Titus is right that Arch Manning is joining the Texas is back train, Arch isn't joining that train. He is 
conducting it, okay? He's at the forefront of it. He's going to lead the Texas Back to Glory movement. I, and I'm convinced Arch would have wanted to do that at Georgia, but that that's already been done now. The opportunity has been taken away, and even though Arch Manning is a legacy of a football family, possibly the greatest football family, the Mannings, and not just that, one of the highest-ranked high school recruits, high school football players of all time, Arch Manning, even though he has those two things going for them, Arch is smart, and he realizes... He would never be able to fill the shoes of Stetson Bennett. See, I believe Arch Manning wants to make his name synonymous with a college football program just like his predecessors in his family. If you ask anyone my age or older, name the first football player that pops up into your head when I say Tennessee football. Bang. Majority is going to say Peyton Manning. And if I ask the same question, or if I ask the same demographic, one football player, Ole Miss, go, probably going to be Eli or Archie, grandpa. So I believe Arch wants to do that. I think that was part of the allure of going to Texas. And, you know, Stetson is now, that he's that guy for Georgia. He's the one who brought a title back to Athens. But not only, you know, did he do that, he stayed. Stetson stayed, even though he did leave one time, but he came back and then he stayed and he overcame his height deficiency and he stayed. He's a real dog, Stetson Bennett. So that's one reason why Arch went to Texas. I don't look it. I'm telling you right now, if you heard anyone say, and I've heard many of them. So if you've heard anyone say that. Part of the reason why Arch Manning went to Texas is because of NIL money. That person you're listening to is stupid, and you should never let them enter your ear canals again. Okay? Me! Texas oil money! NIL money! Me! Look, Arch Manning could go to freaking LaGrange College. No offense, LaGrange College. Um, you know, he'd go to a D3 school, whatever, anywhere he wanted to go to, and the man could rack up as much nil money as he wanted to because he's freaking arch manning that's so stupid to say that that you know texas nil money is the reason why he went no oh and also third reason arch manning respects steve sarkeesian as a as a quarterback coach offense schemater schemist Georgia has Todd Munkin and Kirby Smart. I get it. Kirby Smart doesn't have much to do with offense, but Todd Munkin. I, I was looking down Todd Munkin's Wikipedia page today because, you know, I had one Georgia fan say, well, we have Todd Munkin. He's good at developing quarterbacks. So I went through the resume, and the one thing that Todd Munkin really got good credit for was when he was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State in the air raid. And he turned Justin Blackman into a first, second round NFL draft pick. And dude lasted two seasons in the NFL. Todd Munkin's last two jobs were the offensive coordinator position at Tampa Bay when they were a booty. And then he got kicked to the curb when Bruce Arians came in. And then his very next job he picked up was offensive coordinator under Freddie Kitchens at Cleveland. 
And we all know how that ended. One season and done. Trash. And then he goes to Georgia. Todd Munkin has nothing on his resume that would wow Arch Manning and think, yeah, this guy can help develop me. So yeah, three reasons right there. Wanting to make his name synonymous with a uh, football program. Because Texas is overdue. When you think of Texas football, uh, if I were to ask you the same question about, you know, as Tennessee, Ole Miss, let's say Texas football, uh, go. A lot of us, including me, I think of Vince Young. And why? Vince Young was the last one to get a Heisman and the last one to get a ring for Texas. Oh, and guess what? He's uh, the last one besides Quinta Ewers, uh, this Ohio State transfer. He's the last one to have a perfect composite score, um, you know, recruiting composite score. So it's all written in the uh, Texas tumbleweeds, in the Texas um, cotton stalks. I don't know. It's written in the dirt in Texas. The train, the Texas train being conducted by Arch Manning. Are they going to win a title? I don't know. I don't know. But I think this will be a good two years for Texas, um, you know, when Arch is playing and definitely goes to the NFL early. All right. Well, like I said, interview coming up with McKinley Irvs. Oh, wait, wait, wait. let me go back. Let me go back. One thing. One thing. I'm sorry. I haven't told y'all why I think Arch Manning and why why I think Titus is wrong uh, about Arch Manning being overrated and why I think he's properly rated and why I think Arch Manning will be the best Manning of all the Mannings. And that's because Arch Manning isn't just interested in bringing back glory to a program. He's not just interested in bringing back the glory to Austin, Texas. He's also interested in bringing back glory to his family name. And you may be thinking, bringing back glory to his family name? I mean, the Mannings, even though they're out of the NFL, they've got all the glory in the world. Have you not watched the Manning cast? It's glorious. I'm talking about the Cooper lineage specifically. Cooper, the brother in the shadows, the castaway, the sideline sitter, the one whose football career was ended early at the age of 18 due to spinal bofa. I don't think I said that right, and I don't even think that's what he was at, had, but it was something to do with his spine and how it narrowed and made him feel tingly inside. Some of us just call that drugs and hallucinogens, but apparently there's a medical term for it, and it can be genetic or something. But the past three decades have been about two Manning brothers, Peyton and Eli, while Big Brother sits in the back. But guess what, people? These next three seasons, or decades, I'm sorry, are all about soup with coop. And we're going to be getting fed all you can eat. Bowls of vengeance. Revenge soup. Sopa de vengaza. All you can eat. Sip, sip, sip. Drink, drink, drink. Spoon, spoon, spoon. 
arch, arch, arch. He's here to avenge what his father couldn't have. Or to take what his father couldn't have. And to restore glory to the older brother's name. It all lines up, people. Cooper had to sit or not play. So Arch could be the best. That's the only way it could happen. It's the only way it could happen. So in 30 years, we're going to be thinking, wow, Cooper Manning, that Cooper Manning, some seed, huh? Coop. Yeah, but what about Peyton and Eli? Oh, what they do? Did they produce eight-time Super Bowl champion in Arch? No. They've got like three rings between them. Four. Four rings between them. All right, let me get off this interview coming up. Don't expect it to be that great on my part, but Mac was a great guest. Very nice dude. I really enjoyed talking to him. So uh, I hope y'all enjoy that. But before we get to it, I'm going to kick it to Titus real quick. Titus, sir, take it away. I want to raise awareness to a problem in the NBA that I feel like people aren't paying attention to. And it is the fact that there's a Bernie Madoff in the ranks, and he's using draft picks. There's a Bernie Madoff in basketball. And his name is Samuel Presti. I don't know if it's Samuel, but call him Sam. So, side note, if somebody's name is Samuel they got to be like a second or third, right? Like, this is like first Samuels being created out here anymore, right? Like, Bob was on time, right? There's no more first Samuels, right? Like, your name is Samuel, you're like a second or a third, right? So, Samuel Presti, possibly the third. He is out here just collecting draft picks every year, every year with this guy. More draft picks. I got more draft picks. Hey, every year he comes, he comes, comes to the draft. Then he hypes it up, like, hey, the Thunder got a lot of picks. He makes a pick. The next year happens. He makes more picks. Every year it's like, yeah, three more years will be good. And then when it's time to pay up on on the rent, on the three-year rent, he's like, hey, two more years. Two more years is going to be good. I got 13 more draft picks now. Got some more picks. And the media just sits there like, yeah, okay, see, yeah, look at them. Yeah, you know, they got SBA and, and yo, they're just good. You know, they just, they just give them time. Give them time. How much time do you need, Samuel? How much time is enough time, Samuel? This is this dude's been a problem forever, right? He drafted three MVPs, struck lightning three times, and now he's just he's just moving the goalposts down further and further and further, hoping to just catch a blessing by tanking miserably, creating a miserable tanking team every single year that just gets worse and worse, just to keep hoping to get that pick. When that type of lottery again next year, I want to hear it. I want at some point I want the truth to be brought out. You know what? Better yet, I want San Francisco's rights taken away. I, I want the Supreme Court case ruled on on San Francisco's rights to draft picks. They're busy. They like dealing with everybody else's rights. Take away his right to draft picks. How about that? Do your job, Supreme Court. Do, save basketball media from this con man, from this Bernie Madoff character, Sam Presti, and remove his right to draft. Do your job. Don't be a coward. And you want to know how I know Samuel Presti knows he's a con man? Sam Presti, possibly the third, knows he's a con man. You want to know how I know how, he, how he's the Bernie Madoff basketball? Because this man just drafted Jalen Williams, J-A-L-E-N, and Jalen Williams, J-A-Y-L-I-N, in the same draft. He took them both in the same draft. He's just messing with you at this point. He is testing the laws. He is testing the intelligence of these people. He wants to see how far he can push this thing out. He wants to see how far he can go before anyone calls him out on this. But I'm here. I'm here to call him out. I will not accept it. I will take a stand. If I have to stand alone against the tank, I will stand alone against this con man. 
Where were you? Where were you when the revolution began? Where were you when the draft pick revolution began? I was 10 toes down. Hello, everyone. It's me again. Should have mentioned this earlier, but if you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify, please um, go hit that subscribe button. Or if you're on Apple, the follow button, which is that little plus at the top right hand corner. That goes a long way. We don't, me and Titus, we don't even, even ask y'all to really listen to us. Um, it as long as if you just want to support in some way, just at least follow us or subscribe to us. Also, go to our YouTube page. You can follow us there, and go on our Instagram. Follow us there. Our link tree is there to uh, our YouTube's, our Apple, Spotify, a bunch of things like that. Our TikTok. Go follow us um, anywhere you can. We've got more interviews on the way and things like that, and more content, as always. Without further ado, here is USA South All-Conference player, NCAA D3 First Team All-American, and Northwoods League All-Star, McKinley Irves. All right, so I'm joined by McKinley Irves, also known as Mac. I can call you Mac, right? That's what you go by? Absolutely. All right. So, Matt, you are graduating, just graduated from LaGrange College? Just finished. So, just finished up. You are the star of the LaGrange baseball team. Well, many have said that. Also, y'all just made it to uh, the furthest y'all have ever made it in LaGrange College baseball history. Made it all the way to the College World Series in Cedar Rapids. Y'all won conference, correct? Oh, yeah. Fifth year in a row. Fifth year yeah, in a row. fifth year in a row. I was going to ask how many years it's been. So, um, LaGrange College has had really good baseball teams over the past years. And so, for y'all to accomplish that, that says a lot. So, uh, first, that's when I ask you that is what you thought about this season and how much that meant to y'all. I know y'all fell a game short of making it to the championship game. Y'all got so close. So, uh, first, I just want to ask what the season meant to you and uh, how big of an accomplishment that was for the whole team. Uh, well, this season, man, it was it was it was a wild ride, honestly. You know, starting yeah. off the year, we were at one point like seventeen and one, I think, or no, I think we're like we were in a, we had a, like a wild win streak, and we had twenty something wins and only one loss. And you know, from from that point, I was like, okay, yeah, this team this team is a lot different than the ones I've been on because you know normally we had a slow start and you know picked it up in the end of the year, but no, and, just. Um, Sorry to interrupt, but y'all were ranked number one in D3, correct? Yeah, that is – yeah, we're ranked number one nationally in Division Three um, by the ABCA – or no, the College Writers uh, Association. And, you know, for us to be ranked – that was honestly the highest that I've ever – or that we've been ranked since I've been on the team. So for yeah. us to, you know, reach that, you know, it was, uh, it was something special, man. I- I'll tell you that, and – you know, this season, you know, for it being my last year, just for us to go all the way, you know, we've been, me and uh, the seniors that graduated this year, we've been talking about since freshman year, you know, what it'd be like to play on the big stage, you know, play for the College World Series, and for us to finally get there, man, it was it was something special, I honestly say that. Um, you know, we had a great group of guys this year, and each year, um, you know, it feels like the team just, you know, starts to click a lot, like, more and more as the years go on, and I've never felt more connected, you know, to a team that I've ever played for until this year. And it was this year was really special. And it, and it meant a lot to me, you know, for my final game to, you know, be in the College World Series like that. 
that honestly meant the world. So. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I also want to ask, you know, what was the mood among the team? Because I know that that had to be a tough loss. Y'all are just, you know, one or I think two wins away from reaching the final, yeah, the World Series. Just take me through the emotions of that, having the season end. I'm sure y'all are riding high, best accomplishments um, so far. And uh, but just tell me how that felt that night. Yeah. um, So the final game, I mean, We lost to Eastern Connecticut, who ended up winning the whole thing. Um, But, you know, throughout the game, like the first time we played them, we knew we could beat them. We were just, you know, a couple of hits shy of, you know, uh, or taking the lead and keeping it. But, you know, the last game, everything just didn't go our way. And, you know, throughout it, I was just thinking like, dang, this is really it. This is really it. And uh, you can tell a lot of other guys were thinking that too. But, you know, we we didn't want to – be pessimistic we wanted to you know because uh, we're always a team that that fights we always you know even when we're down we never uh panic but you know when uh we ended up get, getting down eight to one that's when we were like okay like well that's what i was thinking you know this 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 probably is going to be it and so i told my teammates i was like let's just have as much fun as possible no matter what happens and we were doing that i mean we were laughing we were yelling you know uh cheering each other on you know playing as hard as we possibly could but when that final out made or final out was made um you know it was it sucked because you know I was on deck um the red mixing he grounded out and that was the final out and I was on deck and I just saw the other team come out and you know do their congratulate or uh you know patting each other on the back and everything and I just I just lost it I just started crying because you know um I haven't cried that, like that um, on the field in a while. Uh, and it just, you know, you see other seniors before you, like, you know, their season ends and you feel for them, but you're also, but, you know, it's different when it happens to you. And yeah, that was probably one of the toughest losses that I've had just because, you know, it wasn't that we even played bad or, you know, we thought we could, beat them I mean we knew we could beat them but it's just baseball man baseball didn't want us to win that day and you know it sucked you know seeing all the guys you know knowing that I was going to be able to play with them ever again and but after you know we broke it down you know and said our goodbyes we uh we all looked out to the field and you know we said if we're going to end our season we're we're glad we did it here I mean we've never been here before and for us to get get to See the Rapids in the College World Series, it you know it was some it was something to be proud of, uh, yeah. even through all the tears. It was something to be really proud of. Yeah, definitely no reason to have y'all's heads uh, hanging low, you know, walking away or going away from Cedar Rapids. Which I have to ask, how was that experience? How is Cedar Rapids, Iowa? How are the facilities? Because you know it is Division Three, so I'm sure it's not Omaha. But I did yeah. see y'all got to go to uh, the Field of Dreams. Um, I believe. So just tell me about how the whole trip was. Uh, so plane ride, I mean. Oh, you know, oh, y'all the, actually the, got to fly in a plane. Wow. I'm, <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah, <laughs> we actually, uh, yeah, we got to finally get on a plane. And uh, yeah. for some guys, it was their first flight. Uh, sadly, we all didn't get to sit together. Um, most of us had, were like squished in the middle. Of, like we had the middle seat in a row. And, you know, we had some, some of us had like two random people sitting beside each other. Some of us like were grouped in a pair, but like most of us were just like smack dab in the middle. But I mean, to be on a plane ride with the team, I mean, you know, you see a 
a bunch of the big schools, you know, hop on planes just to go play. And, you know, it, yeah. it was really cool just, you know, being in the airport. I will say that was a lot of walking. I had to do with uh, – I had my uh, my personal bag and then I had my, my uh, bat bag with me. So it was a lot of walking with that stuff. But other than that, you know, the experience of, you know, being – going through the airport – it was it was pretty cool. Um, then getting to see the rapids, you know, charter buses, and then we stayed in a pretty sick hotel. It was like 18, 19 floors, smack dab in the middle of the city. Oh wow, um, that's nice. Yeah, and then uh, you know, we ate some really good food there, and then going to Veteran Veteran Memorial Stadium, it was it was pretty cool because like that was the you know, we played in, in the regional. We played in some big stadiums before, but that was by far, as far as, like, you know, the seats and, you know, the atmosphere. It was probably the best experience, you know, just, you know, having you know, all those top-tier teams and, you know, people just coming out and supporting um, us and everybody that was playing. And uh, the opening ceremony uh, we had the day before the game started, they um, they fed us food. And, you know, we, we all got to go out on the field of each team. And, you know, they called our names. and uh, introduced us and they even had a, when they called us out they had a special tribute for um, uh, Barton Brownie who are two of our teammates that passed away uh, in a yeah. car accident about a, about a month ago and um, but yeah overall it was just like a good experience they called out the All-American shout out Joe Ruth being first team All-American and uh, then when the game started you know granted it's the uh, it was the stadium for the Cedar Rapids Colonels. So I think that's low wave. So it wasn't like, you know, the top tier, you know, like hitting facilities, but it was still cool to be able to have a locker room underneath, you know, the stadium and have batting cages underneath and then be able to go straight from the locker room, walk through a tunnel and pop out into the dugout. You know, that was cool. Um, and overall, it was just a great experience, you know. It was, you know, I definitely I definitely won't be won't stop talking about this to uh, – to the other guys that come in or, you know, to even my kids that I have, like, some way, some years down the future. It, it was just overall a great experience. And, you know, I'm glad we glad we finally got there, honestly. Tell me a little bit, how was the how was the Field of Dreams experience, though? And were you uh, – have you ever seen the movie before? So, funny enough, I've never seen the movie. I actually oh, had to watch no. it. I actually had to watch <laughs> it after we, uh, after we left. But, um, yeah, I'm – it, was, it sucks because I was thinking, you know, uh, I've seen like clips of the Field of Dreams and, you know, they have like, you know, big corn in the background. I saw the saw the games where the um, Yankees played the Cubs um, yeah. in the stadium over there. But since what I was told was since it's August, uh, the corn, the corn isn't in season. So it's pretty much just like flat. But um, being able to we even toward the house, so being able to just be in that atmosphere, it was kind of, it was actually kind of cool for me not to even see the movie. Uh, yeah. I had a couple of my teammates were just geeking out. They were like, oh, this part was, this is what was in the movie. Like, yada, yada, yo, this is so cool and everything. And um, and also the field. I mean, it was it was a pretty decent field. Like, they keep they keep uh, up with it very well. And, you know, we weren't even the only ones there. You had a bunch of dads with their kids, you know, out in the field, just running the bases, playing catch. And um, it was it was honestly pretty cool, honestly, just to, yeah. just to see all of it. And watching the movie actually, you know, kind of like some of the things that the uh, tour guy pointed out and I was able to see in the movie. I was like, oh, that's, you know, oh, that's the same um, TV that 
was there or that's the same kitchen set. Yeah, I'm sure that definitely helped set the experience more for you uh, afterwards watching the movie. I definitely would have been one of those teammates sneaking out over it. But um, I mentioned at the top of the interview that I am speaking to the greatest, one of the greatest <laughs> LaGrange College baseball players uh, yeah. or one of the best guys to wear the uniform. I'm not the only one who says it. A bunch of people say it. And also trying to pull up stats here which you can just tell us because you finished number one in what four different categories um in uh, LaGrange college baseball history yeah I was first in hits on base percentage and uh what was the other one let's see but, uh on base run scored oh yeah run scored that's that's honest that's a big one um coach Nick who's our hitting coach and assistant coach um that's his favorite stat I mean he told me he wanted to break the record before the year even started. So, oh, really? Um, yeah, so he was real proud of me for breaking that one. And then uh, I was second in uh, walks and triples all time and fourth yep. in batting average and I think RBIs too. So You were. You had 166 uh, RBIs. I was reading, I saw Ethan Strang. He did an article on you in LaGrange Daily News in my light little research I did. Um <laughs> And I learned a bunch of things in that article. It was a really good article. I learned that, you know, LaGrange College was the only offer uh, for you. And before even reading that article, one of my questions for you was going to be, what made you decide uh, to go to LaGrange College? And then I kind of learned, well, that was really uh, your only option. Seeing the success that you've had in your career and then knowing that you only had one offer, did you even... Like, was baseball even a big thing for you in high school? Did you really want to pursue it in college? Um, and um, did you even think you could be as successful as you were in college? Well, so growing up, I mean, baseball, no, it was the second sport I played. Uh, soccer was the first. And growing up, I played, you know, I played football, soccer, basketball, and baseball. Um, yeah. And it was one of those things where I was, you know, growing up, I was an athletic kid and I like competing and, you know, playing those sports, you know, got me a chance to, you know, go out there and compete. Um, but in high, like going into high school, I really wanted to play football. I mean, I, like I wanted to play football for Auburn, for the Auburn Tigers and really wanted to be a running back. And that's honestly like from freshman year up until my junior year, that's, that was my main passion. But obviously, you know, the growth spurt didn't happen and, you know, uh, I was probably like one of the smallest kids out there, so it really didn't work out in my favor. But baseball was still one of those things that, you know, I was still good at because, you know, basketball didn't work out. And down the road, I just really didn't like uh, playing soccer. Um, so, yeah, baseball was one of the things I stuck with. And after my junior year, uh, I really just decided, OK, like, you know, I wanted I wanted to continue to compete and, you know, play sports. You know, I mean, granted, baseball wasn't my first option, but I still like playing it. So after my junior year, you know, playing on different travel teams, you know, trying to get seen. And um, in high school, funny enough, in high school, uh, my junior year, I didn't start until my senior year. My junior year, I was playing behind a top 100 draft prospect. They ended up going to Washington University to play. Oh, wow. so, <laughs> so, yeah, I was playing behind <laughs> him and a bunch of other, like, you know, studs on our team. And so I really didn't even get to start to my senior year. Um, so that obviously, obviously hindered my uh, recruiting process. Um, but, uh, I just stuck with it and, um, I went to a bunch of different camps and, you know, I had coaches tell me I wasn't good enough, but I could try playing somewhere else. And I had some coaches say, you know, you can try out, or you can walk or 
get here academically and try out for the team and you could probably make it. But um, Coach Kelton, uh, so how I did it was I would email different co uh, colleges, different coaches with uh, the major that I wanted to pursue. And I would email them. And Coach Nick actually emailed me right back uh, the same night and said, text me at this number and I'll give you a call. So I texted him, he called me. He said he wanted me to come to a camp. So I said, okay, all right. You know, thinking as one of those, like, okay, I'm just going to go to the camp. They're probably going to, like, see how I play and, you know, tell me, you know, best of luck or give me some, like, walk-on offer or whatever. So I showed up. And after the camp, Coach Nick comes up to me and says, hey, you want to – have you ever been on a visit? And I was like, no. He said, okay, well, how's next week? And I said, all right, sure. And then go on my visit. And uh, I told Coach Kellen this um, – when you know before we all left I said uh you know he was the first person he was not the first he was the only person that told me that he wanted me to play for him out of mm -hmm. all the coaches that you know said oh you can you can try out for the team but you know you know like it wasn't like setting stone but he was only coach that said we want you here I want you to play for me and he didn't sugarcoat it either he said you get here you might play you might not it depends on how hard you work I said, okay, all right, I'm down. And from then on, it was just, just a dream come true, really. So. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I want to ask more about Coach Kelton because uh, I'd read in that article that he said that they saw a lot of potential in you and that's why they wanted to offer you. You know, along with, I'm sure, their coaching, refining your skills, all that. You got other guys around you, too, who are very talented, who Coach Kelton identified, and the rest of the coaching staff, they were able to recruit. And Coach Kelton, since day one, he stepped on campus, which I think was my freshman year. I may be wrong on that, but the program was laughable uh, before he got there. And then now y'all are making it to the first World Series this year. Y'all won five conference titles in a row. Share with me, like, what, what makes him so successful or what makes him, you know, have the ability to uh, put together a good team? Like, what's the secret sauce behind Coach Kelton's success? Um. Well, the thing is, Coach Kelton is, he's all about the process. I mean, you know, he played in the big leagues. Uh, he was yeah. at high school. And, you know, um, working way up to the big leagues is not some get rich quick or it's not some quick process. Like, it's mm -hmm. you have to really work to be able to get to that level. And, you know, he knew. I mean, when he came in, you know, like you said, the program was laughable. I mean, um, he even told me one time that, you know, uh, Berea College, they're like, you know, the laughing stock right now in our conference. And he said before he got here, when he was an assistant, he that's what they were. They were the laughing yep. stock of the team. So or of the conference. So he knew that to build a program up, he needed guys that, you know, would be committed to playing, you know, baseball the right way, you know, playing hard, not taking shortcuts, you know, doing all the little things, right? And just trusting the process and, you know, working hard. And that's honestly what it is. Like um obviously when he first got here, the first two seasons were rough, but since then, you know, it's just been an uphill climb. Um, and uh, Coach Kellen is one of those guys where um, if you if you show him that you can be consistent in how you play every day, then he'll ride for you 100 times out of 10, honestly. Yeah. He, he's, just, he's just honestly that great of a coach. And, um, and another thing that, you know, helps our team be the team that we are is – he relies on us seniors a lot because, you know, mm -hmm. before 
before, you know, he was trying to find, you know, that core group of those that uh, would buy into the program. And as years went on, more people would buy in. We would win more. He would bring more people in. They would buy into the program. So, and then, you know, like this year, everybody was just bought in. And he relies on those seniors, you know, uphold, uphold that standard. He always talks about a standard. Um, and his standards are through the roof. I'll tell you that. His standards are through the I was going to ask that. I was going to ask that if, if you would consider him, him a uh, demanding or a, oh. uh, you know, a high standard coach. No, he is so demanding. I mean, it don't matter if it's like, you know, his best hitter or his worst hitter or his best pitcher or his worst pitcher. He he does not care if you lower the standard at all. When like It could be something as small as not picking up trash in the locker room or mm-hmm. having your locker dirty. He he will run you. I mean. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah there's no questions about it like you can't convince him you can't do like like it, there was a point last year where we actually got kicked out of uh out of uh, practice because you know, and even this year i mean like this year the first college world series team uh ranked number one in the nation we drop a game to rose during spring break and he makes us run sprints right after the game wow. we didn't even lose that bad <laughs> it, the, like the score was like what eight to seven I think yeah. he lost and he still ran us after after the game and like because he knew that the way we played just wasn't up to the standards that we have built and so he he was like all right I'm gonna punish y'all so he's like one of those guys and honestly I I couldn't be more thankful for him to be as a coach because you know not only did he teach me how to like do things the right way you know he also taught me how to you know handle adversity because you know obviously when he first came in like you said, laughing stock. I mean, they were losing left and right, and the first few seasons weren't even winning seasons. So he knows a lot about adversity, and um, you know, for him to be able to you know teach us that hey, once you get punched in the mouth, it's it's not time to roll over. It's time to you know buckle up and you know get after it. You know, for him to be able to teach us that is it's honestly quite amazing, and for him to get the whole team like that, not just one player, not just nine, the starting nine and a couple of pitchers, the whole team. It's He's a real great coach. I will say that. It definitely seems like, and I know you saying he's demanding. I definitely heard that a lot amongst my peers when I was in college there. But uh, just the way you described him, and I'm sure you could appreciate this with that shirt on, but it sounds like he attended some uh, Nick Saban coaching clinics. Uh, (laughs) No, look, I will tell you, he is a big (laughs) Alabama fan. Oh, he is. Yeah, he is a big Alabama fan. You know, we give each other – we give each other crap all the time about it, especially during football season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he like if there was a coach that was the Nick Saban of Division Three, he is he it's is him. that coach. <laughs> he is that coach, honestly. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I was actually going to ask you before all this. I saw you're from Huntsville, so I was going to ask if you were Auburn or Alabama. Unfortunately, you're Auburn. Uh, I'm. <laughs> I'm I'm an Alabama fan, so I just want to give you a hard time on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You're good, man. I got a couple of other things I want to ask you. Another thing I learned in this article is that you're actually colorblind. Yeah, uh, I am colorblind. Uh, I didn't find out until I was 16, but you know I've been living with it my whole life, and um, and like even when I uh, bring it up to like some like when I first brought it up to some of my teammates um, and like other friends, they'd be like, no, you're not. And I'd be like, yeah, I actually yeah. am. And, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's something that I live with. So I didn't see any 
think of it anything different. And uh, I guess some of your friends ended up believing you because they bought you uh, some of those glasses, right? The ones that correct color blindness. Yeah, um, honestly, did not expect them to uh, buy those at all. Um, it was for my twenty uh, second, um, and honestly, it was just like one of those where I was, where uh, I like, like I said, I was shocked, and you know, they brought them out, and you know, the next day I warm outside and I, I mean obviously I'm putting I saw all the videos of like people seeing color for the first time I'm like oh, okay that's cool and then but I'm thinking like okay like it, might, it can't be that it can't be that serious and then I put them on I was like oh okay well it is yeah. that serious so but I'm thankful for them they're honestly the best friends I could ever have uh we've been together since high school so yeah so, and we're still that's... together now and still rolling and still kicking so Dude, that's awesome, man. I'm glad to hear that. And they took a video of you too, right? And you went viral? Yeah, I went viral. Um, it was funny because so they took the video and then I posted on Twitter just like, you know, showing like, hey, like, these are how great my friends are. And the next morning, I, I like feel my phone buzzing and I'm thinking it's my alarm. And then I'm like, okay, so I like, you know, do the thing where you have sleep, you know, click the lock button, it'll go away. And then, but it kept doing it. So then I opened my eyes, put, uh, turn my phone on and literally just notification after notification. And I think it ended up getting like 2 million views on Twitter and like uh, some hundred thousand retweets and about like 500,000 likes and stuff. So it was honestly, it was honestly really cool just for yeah. that to happen. No, dude, that, that is a pretty cool experience. I would love to have a viral video one day. <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't see green, right? You were mainly red and green colorblind. Yeah. Dude, that makes me sad because my favorite part of baseball, especially going to a major league game, is walking out of the tunnel and out onto the field or, you know, where you can see the field and the green. Like, that's my favorite, the, the popping of the green. So I'm glad you can experience that now. Yeah, honestly, when I when I put them on, um, uh, I won one time at the field, and obviously, like for me, so if to give you like a visual, so for me, the red our red jerseys are the same color as our dirt. So uh, when I put them on, I was like, "Yo, these like these jerseys are just bright. Like these are just, uh -huh. these are bright red." And then I looked at the grass, and I was like, "Like the green is really green." Yeah. <laughs> if I were to describe what I saw, it's like green is really green. Like, so like someone's been lying to me this whole time. This is what green yeah. is actually like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something else as I was reading down and I was going to ask you, you know, what's next for you now that you graduated and your college career is done. I saw in the article that Coach Kelton, who you've already mentioned, is a former major leaguer, played for the Cubs. He believes you have what it takes to get to the next level and wants sort of said he wants you to pursue it and thinks some team should give you a chance out there for the minors. Is that your plan? Are you pursuing that right now? Yeah. Um, so my plan right now is to go up to the Northwoods. Uh, again, I played there last summer, um, ended up being an all-star. I was there on a 10 day contract and, um, worked my way uh, back into the, uh, to the actual roster and did well enough that I was the Northwoods league all-star and, I think I finished with the 10th highest batting average um, in the league. So they uh, wanted me back up there again this summer. And I hope I can just, just go up there, work work my butt off again, and do the the same thing I did last summer. Hopefully a team take, takes a chance on me. That's that's honestly 
like even if it's just indie ball, you know. Um, yeah. So I, I would really be thankful for that to even happen. Um, but you know, if all else fails, you know, I just go back to making hype videos for somebody else or even Lagrange, you know, if they want me back. So. Awesome, man. I hope you make it. Definitely going to be cheering for you. Who's your dream team? If you were to make it to the majors, who's your favorite baseball team? Um, so my favorite baseball team is actually the Pirates. We're doing good oh. this year. We're doing good this year. Um, but you know, Why the Pirates? That was my first ever T-ball team. And I had okay. – um, when I first got into, you know, T-ball and baseball, my parents uh, got me MB or MVP baseball, the PlayStation 2, uh, for Christmas one day. And that's all who I played with. I mean – Really? I just played with, yeah, that's all who I played with. And, you know, it was one of those where I was like, it just stuck, honestly. Like, it just it just stuck. And um, so, yeah, the Pirates are my favorite team. Um, but, you know, yeah, I like winning. So, hopefully, like, in, in the near future, hopefully they keep, you know, winning like they are now. And, you know, hopefully, you know, one day be like, hey, you want to come play for us? Um, but if not them, you know, I would love to play for the Braves. You know, they have an awesome fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just being in Georgia, you know, St. I mean, I, I want to say I'm kind of a bandwagon Braves fan, <laughs> just because <laughs> my teammates are Braves fans, but um, there's the Pirates, the Braves, and I wouldn't mind going out to L.A. and playing for, like, the Dodgers or the Angels, honestly. I don't mean to end on more of a grim note or a somber note, but I do want to ask if it's okay. You did mention about Jacob Brown and uh, Steven Bar- Barcelata. Is, yeah. Was that correct? So, yeah, they tragically uh, passed away the night of y'all's uh, conference championship game or after it. Could you, like, I, I didn't know them, and for the, many of the people in the community who didn't know them, could you just shed some light on who those guys were, how much they meant to y'all? Um, so they're both just, I mean, they're both freshmen. You know, they're both wide-eyed freshmen coming into college and don't really, you know, freshmen really don't know anything until they get here. Um, so, you know, they were just still – navigating their way through the college life and playing for us. And, you know, coming to the field, Bart was always smiling. Bart was always laughing, always Mm -hmm. cracking jokes. He always had his little catchphrases, you know, like um, turn up the dial or or he would always say ripping it. Like he was like, dude, I'm about to just rip this uh, chicken quesadilla or I'm about to rip some, some Z's. That's what like, like he just, he was just one of those guys where you couldn't not like, honestly, Mm -hmm. Brownie, Brownie was uh, quiet at first. I will say he like he was really quiet. Um, and but you know, like I said, uh, over the years, the team, our chemistry, just you know, we just get closer and closer every year. And we took him in honestly. Like Brownie was just being himself, and you know, we love Brownie. He was, I mean, he was a goofball. You know, at first seeing him, he would he would do like the strangest things, and at first we would just be like yo, what are you doing? <laughs> stop that. Like, stop being weird. But as he, as time went on, you know, and being around him, anytime he would do something, we would just laugh and be like, ah, well, that's Brownie. So, you know, and, yeah. uh, those two were just a real light on this program. And for them to come in as freshmen and, you know, perform the way they did, you know, Bart was our game three. Brownie was our first pitcher out the pen, you know, as freshmen. You know, they really – impacted us a lot on the field but off the field it was just one of those where they they're our brothers you know we we do anything for them and you know they do anything for us and it was it was just a brotherhood and you know we welcomed them with open arms and um they were just they were just real special kids for them to just be freshmen to have this much of an impact just shows how special they are and you know it sucks um 
you know, it was it was a really hard week. I wanted to ask if you could take me behind the scenes, like that next 24 hours of y'all getting the news. And then also, you know, y'all just had a, another game just a few days away as well. Getting to was it regional and um, just take me through pretty much the emotions of that. Well, we uh, a lot hard. It was it was part of the process because, you know, just as being on the highest of highs, you know, you could possibly be on and. And then just have it all just flip upside down on its head. It it was um it was a rough night. Uh, a lot of tears were shed. You know, you know, just being in that chapel and hearing the news. It 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 didn't seem real. Like it it all literally felt like a movie. Like like I was gonna wake up the next day and and everything was just gonna be back to normal. Like and we knew we didn't want to. Uh, we knew they wouldn't want us to give up. Honestly, the um, the way they love the game, they love to play. And, you know, we they even talked about making it to the World Series. And mm-hmm. um, as a team, we felt like they wouldn't want us to just roll over. You know, they want us to, you know, keep playing and have fun. And one of the things that, you know, comforted a lot of us is that, you know, obviously, you know, Barton Brownlee, they were big believers in Christ. And main things that comforted us was that, you know, they're having a time of their life up there. And, you know, mm. obviously, obviously we want them to be down here with us, but we know that they're in a better place and they probably don't. They, honestly, they probably don't even want to come back. <laughs> honestly, yeah. Like, <laughs> like imagine just wanting to go from heaven and then coming back to earth, like being in the best place you could possibly be. And then just coming back down to earth where everybody wants, because there's some place where everybody on earth wants to be someday. Exactly. Um, so, so that comforted us and it took some time because, um, they were like, you know, the first game without them. It, it was weird. It, it was it was really weird. Um, but you know, we uh, we're a team that doesn't quit, uh, no matter how much how much we get punched in the mouth and you know how much adversity we face. And that was that was a big uh, that was a big test of adversity for us. You know, I mean, it like we have a saying that winning is fun and losing sucks, and that's their loss really sucked. I mean, they're just losing them was really hard on well, on everybody. I mean, it didn't matter yeah. if you're, or how close you were to them. They just they were just good kids, and you know you wish that it didn't happen to them. And you also got to put into perspective it could have happened to any of us because you know we were all together when it happened, and you know it could happen to any of us. So yeah, it just it just puts everything into perspective, and you know we all understood that. And from then on, we were just like, all right, let's just. Go out there and have fun. You know, that's what they do. And that's what we, for the, us to play in their memory, that's what we got to do too. Yeah, I couldn't imagine just how tough it could have been. Unfortunately, and the line of work I kind of do on the side, I was actually, I ended up there at the scene that night. You know, I've seen a lot of that before. Stuff like that usually doesn't phase me, but uh, even I was hitting a little bit emotionally. I didn't even know them. So, but um. Well, end on this. Your Instagram name is Machiavelli. Did I say yeah. that right? Is that also a stage name? Because I, I know you've done some music in the past. Do you still do music? Yeah, I haven't done uh, much music uh, yet, just because of you know trying to finish school and you know the baseball season. But I plan to pick that up uh, pretty soon. Um, but yeah, it, it's my Instagram name, but it's also my stage name. It was given to me by uh, a former teammate, actually, uh, Anthony Elias, uh, my freshman year. And that's okay. what he was calling me. So I was thinking, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. So I decided to stick yeah. with it. 
No, I, I like the name. I like the music too, which I've actually, I've just heard one of your songs because uh, I'm friends with Malcolm. Um, oh, are you? Oh. I'm a big supporter of Malcolm's music. I've always, ever since his first like showcase, I heard him rap. I was yeah. like, oh, this is good. I've heard Best Life. I like Best Life. Did you? Yeah. yeah, I've got That's it downloaded. Old. I know, I know, man. So I don't even know like what y'all got now or if you have anything more recent out, but I've got that even downloaded on my Apple Music. So I'm a fan. <laughs> That's awesome. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. Well, I appreciate you uh, for taking the time out and doing this interview with me. Just keep doing your thing, man. I hope everything works out. So, you know, spread the word on the podcast, too. <laughs> got you. All right. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Oh, yeah. No, dude, I had a lot of fun, too. Glad you enjoyed it. See you, man. See you. It is a late Monday night and two big breaking news events happened in the past few hours. Uh, two guys, two point guards in the NBA, veterans, seasoned veterans, um, who have done a lot more uh, sitting, I would say, than playing, but have yet racked up checks like they have been playing this whole time. John Wall and Kyrie Irving. We'll start with John Wall. John Wall has just announced, or really Adrian Wojnarowski, I can never get that right on the first try. He uh, announced or tweeted that John Wall is uh, getting balled out of his contract. They're shaving $6 million off that, that what, $47 million deal, and they're saying he intends to uh, sign with the Clippers. So in order us for us to beat first take Titus, because we're recording this at almost 11 o'clock at night, you know, it's going to be one of the first things on first take in the morning. He's Are okay. the Clippers now better than the Lakers? Are they mm -hmm. the team of LA? I mean, are they team of LA? No, but are they better than the Lakers? Yes. Okay. That's Look, a fair answer. <laughs> the Clippers could win three straight championships. They can win no, they could go on a Warriors run in like six championships in a decade and they would still not be the team of LA. That that is true. That was a <laughs> terrible question by me. I just really no, I like more. it though. I like yeah. it because it's really spicy about the Clippers. We're both in agreement though. Pairings of Kawhi, PG, and John Wall is way better than Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, and LeBron. Yeah, I mean, without Kawhi and PG, they were almost in the playoffs this year. Like regardless, right? So uh, yeah, this yeah, they're fine. They're fine. What do you think about for the Lakers now? Because really, these were two guys they thought they had shots at. I don't know how money-wise. I don't know how they were going to make that work. But uh, Kyrie's going to take the MLE, man. Kyrie's going to walk with him $30 million, take the MLE just to make that's a point. Right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's what was going to happen. Yeah, that was, that's what was going <laughs> to You want to just go ahead and talk about Kyrie? <laughs> <laughs> we can. We can. Because it ties back into the Lakers anyway. Kyrie's back with the Nets, I guess. Shocker. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know what to do with this because someone made a point that the Nets could now trade him and the team that gets him wouldn't be hard cap if they wanted to trade him. So the Nets could, could really oh. stay still be like, yeah, the Nets could still really be like, yeah, but we don't want you here. Yeah. Like, we understand KD, yo, man, but you're not our man. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling there were mixed emotions when the front office uh, received this news. Because I'm sure they probably received the news about the same time we received it, which is through a Woj bomb. And uh, Shams. or Shams. Yeah, Shams. Yeah. Shams. Yeah. Well, it was a Woj bomb that 
<laughs> well, he still got his bomb out, but, but Shams reported it initially. Um, I feel yeah. like, uh, yeah, there were definitely mixed emotions, and I'm pretty sure some Nets uh, front office guys were rolling their eyes and kind of wishing that Kyrie would have just left. Do you think Kyrie sent the same statement they sent to uh, Sham Sharani? Oh, what was the statement? Oh, you didn't see? Oh, let me see. Let me see the statement. Let me really go find the statement. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sure. I, got, oh, I had to put up my Twitter already. You ready for this? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. He sent this to Shams directly. Normal people, normal people keep the world going. But those who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. I oh, made yeah, my decision right. to opt in. See you in the fall. A11. What does A11 mean? I don't know. I think, is his middle name something? I thought his middle name was something. Hey, I can't remember. Um, it's so weird. Yeah. I feel like it might be an homage to his um, Native American heritage. You know, you know, his mom was Native American. Yeah. So I feel like I'll be tied into that. Yeah, his middle name is Andrew, so. Okay. It could be is that. This, is his number 11? I think it is, yeah. Yeah, he's number 11 oh. in Brooklyn, so yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, man. This is this Kyrie thing. Like, I'm tired of dude, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of being gaslit by Kyrie Irving. I'm tired I want... of being told that I'm the problem when it's him. <laughs> it's it's you are the problem everywhere. Yeah. Like, but he's always like, but why do y'all care so much, bro? We like sports, Kyrie. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You're a weird yeah. character who's fascinating. I knew. He was off. You know what I, the first signs of this for me was? It wasn't. It wasn't the, the Earth is flat thing. That was just you know, whatever. But when he demanded the trade out of Cleveland, and went on first take to talk about demanding a trade out of Cleveland, and then went answering any questions about why he demanded the trade out of Cleveland. <laughs> Did he do that for real? Yes. I don't even remember that. Bro, he went on first take, and Max and Steve were like, "So what was the issue?" And and Kyrie like, "As a man, you sh- why would you concern yourself with that?" Why are oh, you on wow. the show? Why are you here? Like, <laughs> you came on. That's when I'm like, wait a minute. This dude demanded a trade and then went on the network to talk about why he demanded a trade and then didn't explain it and got yeah. mad and asked about it. Yeah. That's what I'm like, what are we doing here? That that was the first sign. That was the first, that was the first sign for me. Nah, man. I, dude, I don't know what do it, dude, man. But dare to be yeah. different, bro. I mean, um, he, he's become the, you know, most predictable, unpredictable or the most unpredictable, predictable person there is not just in the league, yeah. but really um, in stardom, I guess, or in the spotlight of humanity. And it is tiring. It really is. I, I found it entertaining at first. And I thought, right. hey, maybe he does know some things we don't know. But um, yeah, I'm convinced we might know a little bit more than Kyrie does. Oh, for sure. Like, Including yeah. about himself. We may know no we may know more about Kyrie than Kyrie actually knows about Kyrie. Bro, it's yeah. like I feel like his mind works the way his handles work. Oh. Like his handles are so beautiful and just like it's like this beautiful dysfunction. But yeah. you know it's art, it's just art, and like, his mind is the same way. It's just crossovers. Yeah. Every oh day. yeah. What- it, that's the same thing. You know, Kanye has that problem. Kanye's got a lot spinning out there, but what comes out mm-hmm. of the mouth doesn't seem like there's a lot coming out there, but it's just because there's so much that's going on, so much traffic, uh, you know, it gets yeah. jammed easily. And and the thing with Kyrie is like, Kyrie, but my Jones said this years ago, Kyrie took the worst parts of LeBron and Kobe and put them together. 
<laughs> How like, is that? He took like the Kobe system stuff from Kobe without being Kobe. And then yeah. he took like LeBron passive aggressiveness and just mashed them into one person. <laughs> and it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with, bro. It's so much. Like, yeah. And then, I mean, we can even throw KD in there too, now being the whole, you know, the mysterious, um, I don't know. I wouldn't say soft spoken. I don't know. Katie doesn't say a whole lot except for through Twitter, and it's not about him really. You remember? Yeah, when, Katie does the same thing. You remember when uh, they had the during the bombs last year when they had the, that dinner, and he had like um, the Ken Pill guys do the like translator Obama translator thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what <laughs> that's what Katie is for Kyrie. Oh uh, yeah. Right. Kyrie says some nonsense, and KD just translates it into a Twitter burn on somebody random. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. what Kyrie is. And yeah. I, my favorite thing about I don't know if you heard, but I, it was being going around. But like, Logan Murdoch, I listened to the podcast. Logan Murdoch on the Ringer said that KD was having issues with Nets because he felt like they didn't, they haven't tried to understand Kyrie. No way. He's yeah, 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 yeah. That's what Logan Murdoch reported. It's like, don't they have enough to do, bro? <laughs> do we have to throw in, you know, in the job requirement uh, of understanding Kyrie while we have all this other stuff going on, too? Like, what more could they have done for Kyrie? Exactly. That's what the man took PTO time off and had a birthday party. Yes. Like, well, they hired Steve Nash to be that guy. And I feel yeah. like Steve Nash has done the best job he can to you know yeah. be the one who's understanding uh yes. and the mouthpiece for that organization between Kyrie and the front office. He's tried so hard and he's just not a good coach. That's the thing. Like, it's not, yeah. he's not good, but he's decent at managing Kyrie when the way to manage Kyrie is let him do what he wants, basically. Exactly. If you're... <laughs> See, that's the biggest difference between Steve Kerr. Like Steve Kerr lets his guys be themselves. He's got a limit to it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he'll be like, hey yo. Draymond, shut up. Like, yeah. just sh- Draymond, sh- but shut up though. Like, he'll do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, see, that's just like, I mean, do you want to play today? Mm-hmm. I understand why you did that. I understand your actions. And I appreciate you for coming forward with them. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's that's the Steve Nash approach. Like, like there's no, there's no like structure. There's no like power there. It's nothing, no. nothing forceful. You know, that whole the feedback sandwich, the whole, uh, you know, coaching feedback or really just any feedback sandwich where you, you give the, the encouragement, the positive and then the meat yeah. is the uh, criticism. Yes, and then, yeah. you you know, throw another uh, encouragement under right. that. Right. Bro, I bet there's how many layers of bread do you think that, you know, Steve has to throw on that uh, oh, feedback Steve. sandwich before he gets to the meat? Steve's building a club sandwich. For sure. <laughs> Like he's definitely building a club sandwich. That could be what between three and four pieces of bread just there. Yeah. Like that's what he's building. It's got like it's got to be held together by like four toothpicks. Yeah. And he's like, got to he's got to bake the bread with like even more yeast. Whatever gets it to rise, he's got to make right. sure. Oh yeah, this bread's got to be as thick as we can make it. Steve is like the PR person. It's like we love your energy and the way you approach the game and how you just do your own thing all the time it's really awesome but sometimes the bird has to land mm-hmm. you know what i mean 
You see what I'm saying? And oh, like, and then and he's trying. He's trying to say slightly more aggressive. Like sometimes when you fly a lot, you get tired, and and the nest gets lonely, and you just have to come home and land. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like sure, Steve. Yeah, I get it, Coach. Like okay, thanks. You're you're awesome. Feel, you're the best. I feel like Kyrie is really good at receiving coaching or criticism but in the sense that in the moment as you're talking to him you're thinking oh yeah this guy really gets it you know he's absorbing this he's going to change after this and then literally three seconds later Kyrie's back to doing the same thing so it's like super frustrating it was like it seemed like you just got it you know a minute ago and then now you're still doing the same thing I was just asking you not to do you know I think Kyrie I think Kyrie is first you have to like plant the seed for them to think they can't with the idea themselves. Oh, yeah. Because they said that man asked Tyron Lue, what does defense mean to you when Tyron Lue told him he want to play better defense? Like, what is defense? No way. Yes. Oh, yes. my. God. He's fine, dude. He's, <laughs> fine. He's a mean now. He's not this up. What does defense mean to you? Uh, Kyrie Irving. Oh, I can't find it, but I remember seeing it a long time ago. Like That's he just great. asked Tyloo, "What does defense mean to you?" Like, all, <laughs> right, bro. all right, bro. Do you think Kyrie did that in all his Duke classes? Whenever a teacher asked him something, he would just return it with another with a question. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. For sure, like that, bro. Tyler, bro, you know what? I feel like. I feel like he took one. Uh, he took one philosophy class, and that's been the basis of his entire life. Yeah, yeah. He took oh, philosophy no, one hundred one his one year at Duke, and this just should have shaped his entire life. Exactly, exactly. Dude, that that one Duke, uh, that one year at Duke ruined Kyrie. I think it did. That, that was it. Because he didn't even get you only know, play like eight games that year too. Yeah, because he was he yeah. got injured early on. So like, Kyrie was it, always that guy walking around uh, on the practice court, uh, or you know, in the basketball facilities with these thick books. And, uh, it, you know, it, but he was never getting any progress in those books. The bookmark never moved, but it always right. seemed like, oh, Kyrie's, you know, reading some heavy stuff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, but you know what? I believe if he reads, he'll actually finish the book, unlike uh, LeBron, who's always on page one. That is true. That meme is so great where they went it back is. and found all LeBron reading and he's on page yeah. one every time. <laughs> it, it's so funny every single time. Every yeah. time. So- I, I get it. I, I like what LeBron's trying to do. He's trying to send a message to the kids, you know, read. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just, hey, don't ask me about the book, okay? Right. <laughs> right. They- yeah, he, he's for sure, like, you can get to promote books that he wants people, that he thinks people should read and I respect that. But he's also not reading them. He's like, look. Yeah. He's like, look, I can be a billionaire playing basketball. You can. You should read. Exactly. And you yeah. know what? I respect that. No, I, I respect <laughs> it too. But that that press conference still is like one of my all time favorites. So oh, about it's the Malcolm best. X book. Oh, it's oh, so it's good. It's so my man, good. My man, my man said it's just you know, great man. Um, yeah. Great book. Um, you know, it's, it's just really, really good read. Um, yeah. I still can't believe my favorite line of it is, uh, I don't know, he's like what it means to be, you know, excuse me, but, you know, he's like, um, 
you know, power. I don't know. He used the word Negro, you know, and then he threw in, you know, Malcolm X, he used that word a lot. And I was like, bro, you definitely did not read that book. Because <laughs> that's something I would say in a book report that I didn't read. He'd be like, oh, yeah, they said right. that word a lot. He, he yeah, really likes that, that word. <laughs> yeah, he said that word a lot in a terrible sentence. It's, it's a surefire way to know that you did not read the book at all. <laughs> you for sure did not read the book. That's when you're trying to throw out as many obscure facts as you can to make it seem like you did. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Okay, I didn't find that quote, but I found another Kyrie uh, Tyron Lue thing. Ready for this? Okay. Tyron Lue told Kyrie, Kyrie, I want you to play a little faster. Kyrie goes, why? And so it was like, because we play fast, we get shots off easier. And Kyrie goes, I don't need to play fast to get my shot off. I can do that anytime. And Uh Tyron Lue's like, I'm not talking about your shot. I'm talking about, you know, RJ and JR. Mm -hmm. And then apparently Kyrie goes, well, that's number 23's job. No, <laughs> he threw that on the king's responsibility. Yeah. But look at this. So apparently, uh, in hindsight, uh, he told Jackie McMullen that at, at the time we had probably lost a few games, and Lou was coming up to me and saying we got to play fast, and I probably I probably wasn't willing to accept that at that time. So maybe I like to do over on that. See, he got to think it's his idea. Yeah. Oh, he just for sure. To it's his idea because if he doesn't. For then sure. he's gonna reject it because he didn't come up with it himself. Yes, he's he's too. In order to, yeah, in order to uh, coach Kyrie, you definitely have to do, you know, old FBI, CIA back in the sixties, seventies, eighties. You know, when they were doing those brainwashing studies and techniques, whatever they did on Charles Manson is how you had to coach Kyrie. Those you got to do, Kyrie. It, yeah, yeah, make it seem like make it's sure. his idea. Adds up. It adds up. Like I feel like you gotta go to Kyrie and be like, you know what? You guys like fake take accountability for something you didn't even do wrong. Yeah. And then tell him you do better. And then he'll be like, you know, I think I could, you know, I think I could help you with that. And suddenly <laughs> he'll just be like, you know, we play. I'm playing faster now to help you. It's like, thank yeah. you, Kyrie. You're helping me. Or just telling the opposite of what you want him to do. That's so just fact, like though. Kyrie, whatever you do. Do not move fast. Do not make sure these guys fast. get their shots off fast. And then he'll be like, what? That doesn't even make any sense. This coach yeah. is stupid. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So he's <laughs> going to make sure they get the quick shots off. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I got one question for you that I want to ask you. As a KD stand, how um, – or I don't know if you're still – I think you're like a former. You're like in the middle with the KD thing. I am. I feel you got tired of him lately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how much blame is he getting for this? Because he's an enabler. He is. Oh, uh, but I love – I, I like the approach he's taking so far, where he's like, I, I ain't got nothing to do with that. Don't ask me about that. Uh, yeah, I love the really... ignorance. I love the ignorance he's playing, the ignorance card. <laughs> yeah, he really is like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And that's yeah. your man's though. But like, yeah, but like, I don't know. You had to but figure thing, that out again. And the thing is, yeah, like, that, what's up with the, his with it? We're going to be friends regardless, move. It's over, bro. Yes, yes. But this is like the role KD was built for. If anybody can do this, it's KD, who can just play it off and just, you know, shuck off the uh, uh, responsibilities. KD this can do facts. that. This is really facts, though. Yes. Like, nah, KD, KD definitely built for that. Yeah, dude. It's a match made in hell. I mean, heaven, or I don't know where the hell it was made, <laughs> but it's a match <laughs> that was made somewhere by somebody. <laughs> It was, somebody said it, yeah. I don't know who, but somebody made it. And good God, man. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, with, uh, you know, looking like KD, Kyrie, duo back, will the Nets, do you even see the Nets finishing in the top three in the East next year? Top three. Who was top three this year? Uh, you up. had the Heat, Bucks, Bucks Celtics. Ugh. I believe. I mean, if there's a chance of one of them falling off, it'd probably be Miami. I'm not putting them in the top three. I say, I say they can finish fourth, maybe. Because, I mean, Kyrie might plan to play all season, but, like, given his history, there's a good chance he's going to miss some time, right? Like, For sure. For yes. sure. I, I can see them maybe four, four or five in that range. Yeah, I'm just trying to think who's going to make the jump in the East. Well, really, um, if Philly gets P.J. Tucker, that's a problem. You think so? You think P.J. Tucker will be that, uh, I don't know, I mean, great of an addition for them? Joel B told me they need, a, they need a tough guy like P.J. Tucker, so I'm assuming they get P.J. Tucker and all of a sudden they're a top three team. They're like a top four team in the East. That's what I'm assuming. Maybe. And then, yeah. two, you've got, uh, you know, another year under Tyrus Maxey's belt. Right. Um, yeah, I don't really know Maybe what you're doing with heals. the eyeball. Do what? Maybe Harden's hamstring is finally healed. Maybe. Maybe, you know. That's going to be the biggest factor right there, determining right. their success is Harden's right. health and whether he's going to be in shape or not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Harden he- cannot – like, this is the year he cannot go into um, training camp for conditioning. No, but he's yeah, gonna he's got, do it anyways. I know he's ever ready to go. He's ever ready to go from jump. And like, um, I think it, seeing him kind of plan on opting out and I guess taking less money says that he's kind of you know he's good. And he wants to win. Yeah, that is true. I, mean, I respect that. I definitely respect that. So I kind of expect a new, a different type of James Harden coming this year. I don't know why, but I, I do. I can't kind of see that happening. Yeah. Oh, can we hit Bradley Bill real quick? Oh yeah. Get the money, bro. I don't blame. You. I ain't mad at you. Get the bread. I don't even. Go, what, get, what's his deal? Does he have an option with the Wizards? He's opting out and then opting in, and then going to get Supermax, basically. With the Wizards. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, good for him. Um, I don't necessarily know like the plan is Watson after they signed that Supermax, but I know one thing. You know, I won't be hearing uh, complaints from Bradley Bill. Yeah, no, for sure. This guy, this this guy said, you know what? Why chase a ring? You know, people will go all their careers chasing rings. Bro, I'm gonna be, win in my bank account. Bro, he'll be 33 when the contract's up. He can go chase a ring then. 33 is a decent age in this in NBA. That is true. I thought he was yeah. older than that. It seems like he's been in there forever. Wow. Right. These guys come in at 19, and it feels like they've just been they're just old, but. Yeah, exactly. He's 28, it'll be 33. Chase Ring, then. Yeah, I would love to have Bradley Beal in Atlanta, though. I mean, Bill, Bill Simmons said that, and Rosilla was like, But what about the defense? Like, I mean, you're already bad. You just double down. Like, you know what? Exactly. Not mad. I at mean, it. who's really stopping not. that? Who's stopping that? Honestly, that's like, hard to that's stop. Like, I think he needs to be a secondary scorer anyway. Who, Beal? Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's the number one. Yeah, he's. Honestly, I barely see him at the two, but it's, you know, it's fine. I he think can be a two. Sure. Have a, he can be a two. Sure, have a two. I think the fit's got to be perfect. Like if he was the number two in Miami, I think it'd be kind of perfect. Atlanta, I think it'd be better, but I don't think they'll be a like. I don't know if they can be a champion, but I think it'd be better. You know what I'm saying? 
because Trey needs help. Yeah. Trey needs, Trey needs help. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, before we end this, bruh, yeah, training salt for sure. Um, I, yeah, I'm interested. I'm sure Atlanta is still going to make a move somewhere yeah, in the soft season. I don't know. There's a lot of speculation. Those trade machines memes. Yeah. Do what? I expect the Hawks to look very different next year. You do. I do. I do. I think like I feel like. Okongu is going to be starting center. Collins is going to be somewhere else. I think that roster will look real different next year. Yeah. 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 Uh, Collins and Capella are the like two main guys they're shopping, trying to see what they can get. Um, yeah. I do like Okongu being um, at Center, uh, especially playing small, small ball. He's just got to develop a little bit more, but he's really young. Um, where is Mikael Bridges going? Uh, I think Detroit's going to make a run at him, from what I heard. Yo. Gonna, um, I'm not sure. The Knicks will probably get in on that because they got money. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the main. So he's just gonna test. So he's a free agent. He's a restricted free agent, but I don't think Charlotte's expecting to resign him because they have a cheap owner. Yeah, yeah, and he's he already gave the cryptic uh, Twitter message. He's gone. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yo, why do who? I feel bad for people in charge of like following these athletes' Twitter accounts to see who they remove and add to their profile. Oh, uh, what a draining job! Honestly, bro. And I feel like every time they're reporting that, they have to just lose a piece of their soul. Like, gosh, I went through journalism school for this yeah. to, to follow yeah. what this twenty-year-old follows on Twitter. Yeah, like <laughs> I. That's what I went to journalism school. That's what I went to school for. That's what I that's what I studied for to do this. Like I would hate it. Oh my god, I feel bad for those people. Yeah, that's definitely every time that happens, you just uh take a quick uh look back on your life and just reflect on all the choices you made in the past. And you wonder do. how you to really get here. Do. Like you just think about going back to being an accountant. That's what yeah. you think about. Just yeah. you want to take a real secure basic job. Just go be an accountant. <laughs> or always even like, in need, always an important job. Like just go do that. Yeah. Or maybe I can become a TikTok star or something. I don't know. It's got to be better than this. (laughs) Anything, bro. For real. But I think Mikael Detroit has been the rumor. The most, the biggest rumor I've seen. Okay. Uh It looks like, is the ATL dream still happening or is it kind of dead? Because I haven't heard their name a lot. Yeah, that that is true. I don't know. I'm going to do some research on that. Yeah, I haven't heard them come up a lot in the DeAndre Aiden sweepstakes. And I'm interested as to why same same i did see uh one of the trade machine rumor things i hated it but it made sense but um there was a three-way deal somebody had drawn up and it had us getting ben simmons and all we would be getting rid of is uh clint capella i mean honestly if ben simmons is like gonna play basketball he's a great fit in atlanta yeah, for like defense, he genuinely for sure. is. Yeah, yeah. 
defense, we, secondary yeah. playmaking, like Trey can do some more off ball stuff. Like he's a very good fit in Atlanta if he, you know, plays basketball ever again. Yeah. Because that's the real For question. Sure. Yeah. It's <laughs> the main question we got about him. But yeah, I, I don't hate that. I mean, I, we said I said that last week too when he was on the market. Like, yeah, I feel like. That'd be interesting though, because I feel like Trey would bully him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we got. I mean, we still have to figure out if Trey's likable, but I'm not sure. I don't know either. I don't know. Because apparently, I was. I think I was to the ring here, and they were basically saying John Collins' people are basically like, "Yes, get you out of Atlanta." Like he wants out. Like he wants. Yeah. Out. Yeah. And there were rumors between Trey and Friction like two years ago, and that got quieted because they made the conference finals. But it's like. I don't know. <laughs> it was a little shaky. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, this the blood has been hot between the two ever since um, Lloyd Pierce was coach. Right. I mean, that was the right. main thing. It was those three going at it. Uh, we yeah, just talking sure. about schematics and everything. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure and Nate McMillan, he, you know, he's not the offensive genius. Uh, so it's hard to scheme up. I don't know. It's hard for him to scheme around those guys. Yeah, I would hate sure. to see Collins go, but I get it. I totally get right. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you got to keep one, you kind of do have to keep Trey because you kind of oh, want to, yeah, you sure. need somebody, who, you need somebody who can get their own basket offensively. And Collins still has to rely on others. And he's not enough defensively to where it's like, oh, no, we can't, we can't have to make a tough decision here. Nah, you can kind of just move off from him. Yeah. And he two, Collins uh, injury prone a little bit as well. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's it's a better team and trade is a better fit. It's just it's difficult with Trey because you have to build such a perfect team around him because of his height and size. But it's also like I'm not giving away offensive ta- talent that I'm not giving away offense uh, talent on offense like that. Oh yeah, for sure. For nothing for sure. I'm sad because um, KD kind of would have been perfect for y'all had the Kyrie thing blown up. Bro, it would have. It would have. It would have fit right in. I feel like Tony would have shelled some money out for him too. Oh yeah, yeah. Tony's if, if the time comes to spend, Tony's gonna spend. Mm-hmm. For sure, I, I fully believe that Tony. Tony will go into the tax he needs to. I, I'm just, just so happy. I'm so happy about that. I'm so happy. Yeah, it's it's way past due for Atlanta, honestly. It is way oh, past. It really due. is. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Mikael Bridges wouldn't be bad in Atlanta either. I know you have to move things around, but yeah, the yeah. rim runner. Remember like that would be pretty solid. Yeah. And you get to stay close to home, go close to Charlotte. Yeah. What's LaMelo going to do? Like, what are they doing? Why are they not? Oh, I, I don't want to get on Charlotte. I'm sorry. I don't want to get on yeah. Charlotte. They, they who they, just... they end up uh, hiring? Uh, Steve Clifford back. They brought Steve oh, Clifford right. back. That's right. That's yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> Des- Been a while. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, like I, yeah, like that's already been addressed. I knew the the Hornets were completely lost when I saw my, they were bringing Mike D'Antoni back for uh, more interviews after Kenny Atkinson said, "Never mind." Yo, they like, oh, they rejected D'Antoni twice. I'd be pissed. I know. <laughs> Don't bring me back after your first choice left, and then not hire me again, bro. You made this 71-year-old man hop on airplanes to come take meetings for, real. for nothing. <laughs> for real. He got to go back and be is – he, is he doctor assistant? Is he in Philly? I don't even know if Tony is still coaching. I, I feel like – well, I know he was national assistant one year. That first year he was national assistant. 
Um, I feel like he's in Philly, bro. Um, I'm Googling it now. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He's a co- Italian-American. He's a coaching advisor for the Pelicans. So he's not really in coaching. Ah, uh, okay. But See, that's what okay. I thought. I didn't think I've seen okay. him on a bench anywhere. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. Good Still great looking for 71 years old. He really is. Like, the Pringles yeah. can has never looked sharper. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. That's a fact. Yo, do you know Kellogg's own Pringles? I just learned this, like, last week. Bro, when it comes to snacks, there's about, like, three companies, I think. Yeah. And then there's, like, Kellogg's, Nabisco, and something else. Yeah, Kellogg's is breaking off all their, like, all the things they own in three separate brands now, apparently. Oh, really? That's how I learned, that's how I learned they own Pringles, yeah. They put, like, all uh. their snacks under the, the global snack company, and their cereals are in another company, and then they're, like, plant-based products are another company oh yeah yeah that's just and that's just stop facts <laughs> the, the more you not, know the more you know <laughs> i think we'll end it on that <laughs> yeah yep yeah, right there <laughs>